Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In the previous episode, we explored the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the need for deeper digital connections to create rich relationships, especially in the workplace. Vav emphasized the importance of businesses investing in culture-building activities to increase employee productivity and shared his insights on remote work becoming a significant part of our future work engagement. In this episode, we continue our conversation with a focus on the need to unplug and companies maximizing their data analytics. Andrew and Mark also discussed the impact of AI development on the future of work and how social game settings can enhance social ties. Let's continue. Yeah, I really like the value proposition that you described. I'm myself as a gamer as well, and actually sometimes I play games not because I like to play games, but it just takes my mind off to do, to let my subconscious do the thinking. And when I work in some of the largest Fortune 500 companies, some of the leaders, they don't get the fact that there needs to be what I call the organizational slack, where people are not like a McDonald worker, no offense to them. They are work very hard, they're professional. But what I'm trying to say is that knowledge worker can't quote eight hours straight. They need to think about the problem, go to Stack Overflow or just get away, do something, maybe playing games just to get their mind off the problem and let their subconscious work on it. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's not what we're focused on, but that's also right. And so a lot of good thinking about taking a mind off the problem to actually solve the problem. That's backed up from every direction, from biology, neuroscience, empirically. I think there's consensus on that. And the way that you take your mind off, it could be personal. I think for some people, it's playing games, as you said, for others, it's going for a walk. For others, maybe it's working out. For others, it's sleeping on it. So definitely there's value in that. Build games to help people take their mind off of tape, although that'd be an added benefit. But the benefit we're really focused on is helping people form better social ties with each other. Kind of social ties that you might naturally form in the office. But do look back to that we talked about for sure, and where a lot of folks don't want to commute to an office, or maybe you have a globally distributed team that you want to have the ability to collaborate. You need to form these social ties over distance. And this is a really interesting point. So why do we talk so much about games? So there's one of the literature on the power of play to bring people together. So as the audience is interested, they can research that. But I'm trying to talk about it from actually just analogy here. But if you imagine the strongest relationships, or even the fundamental relationships that anybody develops in their life, it's actually quite often through games, through play. So when you're a child or if you have children, 
when you're watching your children form relationships with other children, they're doing it through play. It's what we know. As you're a teen or you watch your teens grow up, they form relationships through sports. We have a common goal with your team. You have a common challenge and you find success together. And then later in life, maybe you join rec sports for some people get into more hardcore video games. And then later in life, maybe you join a bridge league. And so games have always been how we build relationships with each other, especially how we build relationships with people that maybe we don't know and want to get to know better. And so when the world moved remote, we didn't have casual games for people to play socially with each other. We had games like, I might be dating myself, but Angry Bird, that you could play one-on-one or maybe with two people. There are games that you could play if you were a quote-unquote gamer, like on Xbox or PlayStation, but that's not most people, certainly not most adults. And then there's a few hit games that you could play with your friends with only up to six people, like Among Us or Jackbox. And these, of course, became popular during the pandemic. And what was missing was a game that you could play online, an activity that you could do online to say eight to 200 people. We could all get together and, and play that together and, and through that game form better relationships with each other. But that's what we've built. So it's not video games for gamers, but it's the kind of game that anybody would play at a party. So it's those kind of like simple games where it doesn't have to be a very heavy user or advanced user, something that like good old days, I don't know, maybe, maybe during my time, I might be quite old. I used to play Tetris, Super Mario. I would say it's even, I would say it's games like Settlers of Catan, not specifically, not Settlers of Catan specifically, but games like that, that are both easy to pick up for the first time, but also very replayable for people that want to play it every month for two years. So they designed intentionally to be both easy to pick up and casual, but also have some depth. So they're enjoyable to play over time. And they're all turn-based games. So it's not about having the fastest reflexes because that takes for a while to train. And it's been very impressive for a lot of people in the workforce. I see. Cool. I think that this is an interesting idea. I can imagine that human resource business partner, some of my friends who are, they could say, hey, I can go to this game and build that relationship and figure out why this potential employee has an intention to leave the company or why is she, he like not feeling well and through games, it's create a safe virtual environment for them to talk about it. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think that could work. But I think the power of game actually becomes important earlier on. And it goes back to the sign up for a good idea of prevention rather than remediation. So by the time you have a problem, you have a problem. And can't finance a good. What we wanted to do was invest in prevention to help people live healthier lifestyles so they don't end up in the hospital. And so with games, we want to do the same thing. We want to help us stronger social ties so that when something bad does happen, they have somebody they can call. When they have a question, they can email somebody across the world and get a response within an hour. The idea is that through stronger social ties, people are fundamentally more motivated and more excited about the work that they're doing. And so they're less likely to end up in a situation where they're contemplating quitting. I see. I'm just curious. What about some of the employees or talents? They don't like games or they don't prefer game. Maybe they have a lot of kids or have a, a family of a lot of caregiving commitment. How does triple play look into solving this problem? Yeah, so other games or social games. So you can choose how much to engage. Just like if you're at a party, if people are playing checkers or pool, you can observe and socialize. And in triple play, what we did was actually build a social fabric. You can move around the states very easily. It's recommended conversation, recommended people to talk to. So it's not about winning the games or just playing the games. The games are the shared interests that bring us together. It is very easy to chat with who you want for as long as you want. And you get to know people better that way. 
So if you're somebody who's not into winning the game, you can actually break off and have a one-on-one chat with somebody that maybe you needed to catch up with on a work topic. Let me bring back to another interesting topic about where do you see artificial intelligence in the process of digital transformation? Where do you see artificial intelligence being embedded into social games to enable preventive care? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So with artificial intelligence, start from the beginning, it touches every part of the business, quite literally. And so then, you know, diving in here, where does it help? What we're doing is helping people connect with each other. And there's a certain set of norms in the office that I talked about that everyone just knows. Whereas online, people don't know the norms yet. And so what we're able to do is use artificial intelligence to help people meet the most interesting people at a larger event, maybe something they haven't talked to before, or to talk about the most interesting content through subtle prompts that bring up interesting points of possible connection. And at the same time, we're extremely thoughtful and always doing privacy first. So when you do anything with artificial intelligence, you have to be very thoughtful with the data you're collecting on anybody and make sure that you are respecting privacy. And so that's our North Star, is never listening to people's conversations, never being able to track anything there. We yet at the same time have generalized the data forms that help us help people connect with the individuals that they want to and talk about points that would be interesting. Okay. Is it also the fact that if a user of triple play in the company, they want to discover interesting people or play, build relationships with certain people, it's more like they can toggle and give selective information and therefore get whatever information that the artificial intelligence generates. Not to the details of how this could work, but I think what you can imagine is on a news site, the news site might not know too much about you, but yet it still knows what's most interesting, maybe based on the region that you're in, the time of day it is, stuff like that. And there's still quite a bit you can do with artificial intelligence while deeply respecting everyone's privacy and not collecting personal information. Okay, so let me go to the next interesting question. Like, what do you think is the impact of artificial intelligence development on the future of work? Where does like triple play comes into enhancing the future of work too? Yeah, I think artificial intelligence will touch most businesses. I would say there's a few big areas. Anything around optimization is right before AI. And as we think about AI, I think it's helpful for your listeners to, to make sure that they're just to in different types of AI. So generally, visual recognition, having a camera be able to identify objects and then do work. Something that thought you would otherwise have to do is a huge area. Settled about all of manufacturing, all of mining, all of agriculture, which are just such huge fundamental industries. And then anything to do with marketing or risk analysis, fraud detection, all of that is arguably optimization, which would also be deeply impacted by AI. So those are two huge categories of industries where AI will have a direct impact. And then AI also has impacts across every function. So we're all going to each of those functions, but I'm just coming back to the triple play. So that is interesting way to think about triple play, but really the heart of triple play isn't people connecting with some machine. It's the heart of it is people connecting with other people. And so that's what I would emphasize is that in the office, that connection is just natural, whereas online, and I think people see that maybe in Zoom meeting, it's very unnatural when you don't have a shared activity or a shared game. And go on Zoom, people have tried to do these searches to keep culture alive and maybe use Frego rooms, but then maybe you're there for a certain amount of time, or maybe it's just structure around questions that feel too formalized and you're not able to connect with people. People have Zoom fatigue. You think fatigue is not from being on a screen. People right. often be on Zoom 
have Zoom fatigue and then leave to watch Netflix or go on TikTok. So we know Zoom fatigue is not from the screen. We think Zoom fatigue is from the environment that doesn't feel natural. So with triple play, what we're really emphasizing is somewhere that just feels natural, feels casual, feels fun, where you can connect with each other because that's what's really going to be missing. We didn't talk too much about AI here, but I think that AI has a massive impact across businesses. But on triple play, it's not principally about people interacting with machines, it's principally about people interacting with each other. Yeah, you mentioned about this Zoom fatigue driven primarily not because of the screen, but because it's not natural and therefore a triple play is here to enable social gaming to substitute or even enhance social ties. Question along that line is, yes, people are feeling Zoom fatigue, but do you think that maybe it's just a period of adjustment as COVID-19 and new variants coming on and on and people just over time get to rewire their brain to get used to sticking to a screen and that could be a social norm. That's my first question. The second question regards to triple play. Do you think maybe people doing virtual meeting like social game setting could be a better substitute for that? Yeah, I don't think it's transitionary. Zoom really is an awkward experience when you're on there for social interaction. If you've imagined doing a physical social the same way that social is done on Zoom, that would be like showing up to a boardroom or even more awkward, maybe showing up to somebody's house who as soon as you get there being told that you can't talk and, and, and there's nothing to do. And so then one person maybe stands up on the table and starts to give a speech, tell the joke, and it just doesn't feel social at all. You're watching, not sure who's looking at you. And then maybe you turn your camera off and you unmute and um, you just check out from that social experience. So Zoom really just isn't built for socials and that's why it's an awkward. It's not at all to do with screen because even before the pandemic, people would get in their car, drive to an office and probably look at a screen for their work day and then drive home. And so people were fine with looking at screens and even when you get home, looking at the activities people do often on screens at home as well. So it was never an issue with the screens principally. It was an issue I'll assume just not allowed people to feel natural or feel social. And that's because Zoom took away everybody's autonomy. They're typically forced into different groups. It was overly structured. So it also didn't give you built-in activities. So there, there was things that you could do. You could share links with each other, but all those started to break down at about six people. And so to socialize in a larger group was continually impossible. And so that's the pain that we're solving. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode. We've just wrapped up part 3 with Andrew and Mark where they discussed the value of social games in creating stronger social ties in remote work environments. They introduced Triple Play, a social game platform that leverages artificial intelligence to help people connect with the most interesting content and people while respecting privacy. They also talked about the impact of AI on the future of work and how it can free up time for more complex problem-solving projects. In part 4, Mark emphasizes the importance of building strong culture and social ties in remote work environments and shares valuable tips for those interested in starting a career in the digital space. If this is the first time you are tuning in, Remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon.